Hi, and welcome back to Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam, where we will try to solve, as we do every week, the eternal question, would you buy a used car from Donald Trump? Uh, no, uh, I wouldn't. But anyway, this week, a lot to unpack in the news with our usual uh, uh, gang. With us is Michael Zeldin, um, former federal prosecutor, and John Bennett, the editor-at-large at CQ Roll Call and uh, Man About Town. So uh, stick around. we got a lot to unpack, including, well, 16 indicted, a target letter, uh, Florida and safe slavery, RFK makes an idiot of himself, a trial is set in May. There's climate change, UAPs, Barbie, Oppenheimer, Bud Light, AI, Alabama, and the Texas border. Whew. Stick around. We'll be right back. In this modern age of misinformation and deceit, Just Ask the Questions newsletter cuts through the BS and gets to the truth. With Brian's in-depth articles, columns, and exclusive content not released anywhere else. Get the scoop and stay in the know. Sign up for the Just Ask the Question newsletter now at substack.com slash JATQ podcast. Hi, we are back. It is Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam. And with us for our weekly wrap-up on the news is editor-at-large from CQ Roll Call, John Bennett, and former federal prosecutor, Michael Zeldin. And Michael, we're going to start out with, well, I, I want to start out with a couple of things, I guess, uh, in the courts. Um, and one that caught my eye, one that you you just mentioned with one with one word, Alabama. Alabama has defied the Supreme Court in drawing up um, its its uh, voting districts. And I have to ask you, I guess, to unpack that. And what's the next step? So let's just take one step back and give the audience the context. The Supreme Court rules this term that the state of Alabama illegally gerrymandered its congressional districts to marginalize African-American voters. They, way, the way they set up the, the districts was that there was only one majority African-American district, even though African-Americans constitute about 26% of the state. And so they said, that's illegal. And it was a decision that I think was joined in by Chief Justice Roberts and maybe Kavanaugh, one, two, two conservatives for yes. the majority to, to say that that map was illegal. And previously, the Alabama uh, courts had ruled that it, it was illegal and the Alabama appealed. So here's the Supreme Court saying, you know, not, we've been telling you for the last time, this map is illegal. Redraw it so that you have two minority majority districts. They just redrew the maps 
and essentially gave the finger to the Supreme Court and to their own courts, saying, no one is going to tell us what to do. And they redrew their maps with only one minority majority district, which means that they'll have to relitigate this map drawing process. They'll go to the district court. They'll go probably to the Court of Appeals. And the cynicism of it is you know, so obvious, which is they've got an election coming up in 2024. Republicans have a five-seat majority. If they redraw this map, then it's automatically a four-seat majority. New York has to redraw its maps, and they think that they'll lose three Republican seats, maybe four, in New York. So this is just a flat-out power grab, irrespective of what the Constitution requires in terms of voting rights. The Alabama Supreme Court has said, we don't care. Um, they've had a long history of saying we don't care about voting rights since Reconstruction. They've had the same philosophy. And here it is again, um, manifesting itself in what is clearly a defying act against you know, a conservative-led Supreme Court and a conservative-led uh, Alabama court system. Are we going to see? Are we going to see, uh, or could we end up seeing what we saw? You know, to enforce desegregation with the National Guard uh, in Alabama, and no, we won't see that because it doesn't lend itself to that. But what it should lend itself to is immediate legal action to cause Alabama to cease and desist and redraw the maps and. There should be you know, holdings of legislators in contempt and and the like. Uh, this thing really has to be enforced. This is, if they, if you will, can get away with this, then the rules of the Supreme Court and and the rule of law and voting rights means it's nothing. shot. It's yeah, mean, it means nothing. John, you know our beloved congressman in Alabama. Do you suspect? I mean, you and I have both covered the senators and the uh, wonderful congressmen down there, do you suspect that they'll go willingly into that good night or are they going to put up a fight? Oh, they're going to fight this uh, for sure. I don't think there's any, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't think there's any question about that. You just got to find the right uh, right place uh, to, to wage that battle. They've been waging this battle for hundreds of years in the Yellowhammer State. Um I do and like to Tommy just Tuberville say, is from there. I do like to just say Yellowhammer, uh, by the way. <laughs> um, of all for all their flaws in Alabama, uh, racial, school scores, health scores, I could go on. I won't. Um, you know they do give us the Iron Bowl every year, Auburn and Alabama. That's the even <laughs> got, even even when head. Auburn's down, they they tend to hang around and make a good ball game of it. But other than that, um, this is what we get from Alabama. This kind of thing. So, yeah, they're going to put up a fight. And, you know, we, we've seen several racial things over the last week or two. And frightening. Uh, it's frightening. And, Brian, you and I are from the South. So, yeah, we know how volatile it is. And, you know, I'm starting to get I'm sorry. I am starting to get worried because this 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 issue and the way people are now talking about it and we don't even have Donald Trump on the campaign trail and you, we know he's willing to pour uh lighter fluid on this fire. Um, it's, it's troubling. Very yeah, troubling. Well, I mean, you've got Tommy Tuberville. So, or Tuberville, you know, right. it always reminds me of uh, if you ever saw 
uh, the movie that's that's my boy with um adam sandler there's a big fat guy at the end named tommy tuba i think was his name who's who's running a marathon and every time i hear tuberville i just think of that guy just but he's he, this he, but he's scary and and you point to something else that's also very uh that has been big this week and it's been a huge news week and, and michael I'll, I'll i'll tip it over to you for that i mean you have in the state of florida and John, you know, this is, you know, you are from the South. I am from the South. They're going to teach that, you know, that slavery was beneficial, not always, but in, you know, taught skills that were useful to slaves. And I just said, look, this isn't trade school. This is, you know, this was slavery. And to dismiss it as anything else and to have people listen to it is rather frightening to me. But is there pushback that you, that can be made? Um uh, Michael against this, but it, it, I, I don't suspect there is. It's all in the state house. Yes. Well, I don't know that there's there's no federal legal uh, <laughs> issue that I can think of unless they violate some sort of uh, federal education grant laws that will deny them federal funding for for schools. They might not even care about that. But no, this is a a state board of education issue, you know, probably driven by Governor DeSantis uh, to rewrite American history in a shocking way. Uh, you know, God knows what they're going to say the Holocaust taught Jews or the Trail of Tears taught Native Americans, what, to walk? You taught them how to walk? I mean, what what is it that they're trying to do here that they would allow that sort of analysis of slavery and the whole um, original sin upon which our country has been based. I, I just, it it defies understanding, Brian, how you could, it, it, with a straight face, say, oh, there are some good things about enslavement. Yeah. They, learned, they learned trades. I mean, for God's sakes, really? Really? We're in the 21st century. That's your analysis of 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 slavery that, that it taught some good skills. I I I, I, I it, it, the, the, it so me. so the answer to your question is voters have to vote. And if they find this stuff disagreeable, they've got to vote those people who are proponent proponents of this um out of elective office so that they get you know more more thinking people well th yeah thinking people is being a key word there and and john i mean i i you know you mentioned we both grew up in the south i've seen these people since i was a kid but i thought it i did think at one point in time after the civil rights movement after the 70s i had a there was a brief window where i thought well maybe we're all getting on the same page but it is now as divisive as i've ever seen it and when I revisit my hometown, um, it's all it. it I, I don't even recognize it. I, I don't know. Do you recognize the South you grew up in? I don't. I, I really don't. And this is, uh, you know, I you can't pin all of this on uh, Donald Trump, but he certainly fanned the flames that you can. It's also the election of Barack Obama, the first uh, half black president. Uh, that is really where this started. And then, you know, you, you got the Obama campaign 
Uh, then you had the Affordable Care Act. You had the the first black president in in the eyes of many in the South and um, you know Mountain West and other red places seeing this um, this Ivy League educated black president who you know Obama did speak differently about you know policy and social issues. He just did, um, and that scared a lot of people. And then you had a demographic shift under that happening at the same time you know america becoming more more black and brown that scared people in in down south the mountain west red states um and and you know obamacare happened and that just pissed them off now, frankly uh they were past the point of being scared they were they're scared and pissed off and that's a bad mix and then you know eight years of obama and then here comes donald trump yeah and here, here so here's here two Donald things. Trump. So 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 yeah, sorry uh, on this on this uh you know I was out of the country uh this week. I was on vacation. So I come back and we've got you know this this weird slavery curriculum in Florida. That, like you said that it's not a tech school, it's not a trade school. Um it's not an apprentice program. These people were slaves, killed, raped. <laughs> you know, just awful conditions, families separated, refused right. to teach them right. how to read or write, right. awful conditions in the deep South, you know, hottest days of the year, um, coldest sleeping days on of the mud year. floors. Yeah. Sleeping in sheds and mud floors. And, you know, this was not some trade school. This was not a community college that the, these slaves were in. You know, I've, I've got that. I'm trying to do my best to not pay attention. So I had to catch up. Uh, yesterday, I was doing some catch up for this and getting ready for the day job this week. What the hell happened last week? What'd you guys do? <laughs> See, you left the country and Michael didn't pay attention. <laughs> you know, I've got Jay, this this guy, Al Dean, this country music star. Yeah. Uh, he's putting out this song, Daring, best I can tell. I've watched the video twice now. Uh, the video, the, the song dropped in May. The video apparently dropped last week or early last week or sometime last week. And he's daring, it looks like Antifa and black people and and I guess white people who uh, sympathize with them to come to small towns in the South and protest or, you know, privatize <laughs> their First views. Off. And he's going to shoot them with his grandfather's shotgun? I mean, yeah. literally, <laughs> what happened? I don't know, man. It's It's the heat. We'll get to climate change in a bit, but that's, I think it's, and besides, you don't even have to protest in a small town. How about the poor SOB that was jogging in a small town and, and got chased and killed? Yeah, how about Brianna Taylor sleeping in her bed and got killed? So, right. I, yeah, I, but we're gonna, uh, we're gonna take a short break as we gather our, as we gather our wits about us. Try to. <laughs> Try to. It's all about the heat, baby. Stick around. There's a lot more to unpack. Hey, Just Ask the Question podcast listeners. If you've got a second, head on over to Twitter and follow our official page, JATQ Podcast. That's JATQ Podcast. In this modern age of misinformation and deceit, 
Just Ask the Questions newsletter cuts through the BS and gets to the truth with Brian's in-depth articles, columns, and exclusive content not found anywhere else. Get the scoop and stay in the know. Sign up for the Just Ask the Question newsletter now at substack.com slash J-A-T-Q podcast. Hi, we are back. It is just ask the question. I am your host, Brian Karam, and I won't be jogging through any small town this week. Um, I, I, I originally wanted to start start this out. Michael, this is you can help me out here. I, I originally wanted to start it out with this because this was this is how the week began. And and John, you were out of the country, so you missed it. <clears throat> Sixteen indicted in Michigan for the voter for uh, being uh, false electors. Uh, Donald Trump came out and said he got another target letter and the uh from from uh, Jack Smith who I guess they're just pen pals now and then this week the judge in the Mar-a-Lago case set trial uh for I went the first week of May and then there were a lot of other things with Donald but I I put him second this week because I just had to but let's start with the the target letter what is that what does that mean Michael I it, 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 do you expect him to be indicted again this week? Well, let me again back up. So Donald Trump is under investigation by Jack Smith for events surrounding January 6th, not to be confused now with the Mar-a-Lago right. indictment, which is another Jack Smith case that's set for trial on May the 24th. Judge Cannon uh, just set that trial date for May the 24th. The prosecutors had asked for a December trial date. Trump asked for an indefinite continuance, and she said it for May. So that's that. The other investigation of Jack Smith is January 6th and all of the tentacles that that come from it. And in the course of that investigation, last week on Sunday, a week ago yesterday, uh, today, I guess, Trump announces that he received a target letter. And the target letter is a letter which says a grand jury essentially is likely to indict you. doesn't say when, doesn't um, give us a timeline, Brian, but it does say that you are under investigation by a grand jury who is likely to indict you. And the charges that we're considering are obstruction of uh, official proceeding, conspiracy to defraud the United States, and violation of civil rights under color of law. Those three statutes are identified in, in the target letter. And so everyone is anticipating the probability that there will be an indictment. Meanwhile, Jack Smith is continuing to call witnesses before the grand jury. So we don't know what the exact timing of it is, but the portend is, is that there will be an indictment related to one of those three or three of those three uh, charges that seems to be focused mostly sort of on the false electors scheme, mm-hmm. um, but it needn't be because this color of law stuff is what's been used historically in the suppression of voter rights. And so yes. you could construct a, a case in violation of this statute, 241 of Title 18, which says that Donald Trump's efforts to obstruct the orderly transfer of power denied voters, and particularly urban voters, because that's the districts that he targeted in his um, challenges, their civil right, their right to uh, to vote, 
and uh, he could bring charges in respect of, of that. So it's likely, we just don't know when, we know the probable charges. I think the easiest um, story to explain to a jury and to the American people is the false electors scheme. Because what you see is Michigan having done the exact same thing. Michigan this week um, charged 16 Republicans with state felonies, state law, for signing false certificates, falsely um, claiming that Donald Trump won the election and that they were the rightful presidential electors. Um, and so that's a very straightforward lie. You said <laughs> you said that you were the rightful presidential electors for the six, the, the victor, Donald Trump. Two lies, and uh, they were charged uh, under state law for that. That's why I'm saying, in respect of the federal case, a similar charge is uh, available if they can tie Donald Trump to the scheme. And it's hard to envision a situation where he is not tied to the scheme because Michigan was not isolated. There was the similar things in Georgia, in Arizona, in Nevada, in Pennsylvania, in uh, a broader orchestrated scheme. And it defies credulity to say that Donald Trump wasn't aware of participating in approving of that um, false electors gambit. Well, and and he, he, Eastman, Giuliani, Sidney Powell, all well could be co-conspirators named in a in a conspiracy to defraud the United States and to obstruct the orderly transition of power. It wasn't long after this letter was announced, of course, that members of Congress came to Donald Trump's defense without even knowing what the charges were, because no one knows what the charges are yet, but to say that it was a member who was part of the deep state. John, you and I both know that some of those people in Congress <laughs> particularly Jim Jordan and a few others may be sweating bullets right now because they may well be involved. But we have been criticized on both aisle, on both sides of the aisle for this. We've been criticized by the uh, far right for pandering to the deep state and giving into propaganda. And we've been criticized by the far left by saying we haven't gone far enough. So how do you rate what we've done? And, and how do you look at what may happen in Congress? <laughs> That's a tough story for us. <laughs> it's a tough story. You know, coming back into all this after, you know, everybody Welcome needs home, a break. Charlie Brown. Yeah, I certainly needed a break. And I didn't pay a lot of attention. I did a lot of catching up the last day and a half. And coming back into it is where the hell am I? Where have I landed? <laughs> you know, did the plane take a wrong turn? Um, I know I should have made that left turn at Albuquerque. I also, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, as Michael said, it it I can't stretch my brain in enough pretzel-like spiderweb directions to to think that Donald Trump did not have direct knowledge, was approving, or was you know the central or a central figure in this fake elector scheme. And when you read the details, these folks created and signed and submitted fraudulent electoral <laughs> college documents. It's one thing to send it to the Senate and see if they can get their, their shit together enough to do anything with it. 
It's another thing to send it to the National Archives. Those, <laughs> if anyone takes documents more seriously in this town, then I don't know who it would be. Probably, yes. you know, the CIA or DNI's office would classify documents as we saw. But that started with the archives. How I I can't speaking of can't wrap my brain. No one in the room said, wait a second, before we send this here envelope to the National Archives, maybe we should ask a lawyer how many laws we're breaking. Yeah. It just, it's beyond. Uh, there's no logic for this. I mean. How do you not stop yourself and say, wait a second, We're, we we could get in trouble here. And I haven't used the C word, not that one. I don't like that one. But the cult word, it's because yeah. <laughs> oh, I have to finally use it. And I didn't want to use it. Yeah. These folks had to know, had to know that what they were doing was probably illegal. And they did it anyway because they've been swept up in this Trump cult. And this hold that this man has on people, he still has it. We can talk all we want about charges and and uh, and trial dates, but he's still got a hold on 38% of of the electorate. And he's still the front runner, despite well, all this. And, and they believe him. They but yeah. but how do you report my biggest problem is it's a hard story yet. Yeah, sorry. It, Back to your original yeah, question. It, I it went on a bit seemed, of a rant there. <laughs> I like the rant. I was going with it. <laughs> but I and I get it because I feel that well, way today. Our but, usual, yeah. I, pull the curtain back. Our usual way of measuring in this in our business, if we're doing our job, is if the far right and the far left, or even the the moderate right and the and the moderate left, if they're both a little or a lot, um, I guess, angry or annoyed or agitated by our coverage, if both sides are, then we're probably doing it right. So I got to think, you know, on, on the whole, that that we're we're doing a pretty good job. When I interview some of these people, though, that it's hard for me to talk to some of these people when they're so uh, it's it's like they're they're tethered to to a, a helium balloon and have left the stratosphere. I just don't, I, I, it, bringing them back down to reality is difficult. I just, I, I have had very little success in doing it, but that's not even the, uh, the, uh, the other thing that happened to Donald Trump this week, Michael, was the uh, setting of the trial in May. And you had a tweet earlier that said it means absolutely nothing if it's not held to it. I know there are plenty of people who are disappointed that it had, that it's, allegedly going to happen in May, but then again, may not. Well, it's tricky because Judge Cannon has to deal with the sort of overlay of her past decision in the Mar-a-Lago case, where she got so resoundingly rebuked by the Court of Appeals saying that essentially her legal analysis was um, incredibly flawed. And people said of that, not that she's a bad jurist, which may be the correct answer, but rather she was shilling in some way for for Donald Trump. So people, you know, come to any analysis of what she does as, uh oh, is she at it again? Is she going to be protecting yeah. Trump? So in this case, as I said a minute ago, the prosecutors asked for a trial date in December. Trump said um, after the election or never. And um, <laughs> the judge issued um, an order setting it down for May the 20th. Now, in her defense, 
if you look at the calendar of legal cases that Trump faces, you'll see he faces the civil fraud trial by Letitia James on October the 2nd. He faces part two of the E. Jean Carroll defamation case on January the 15th. He faces the Manhattan District Attorney Bragg's case on March the 25th. And now we've got Mar-a-Lago on May 20th. We also know that Fannie Willis, the DA in Fulton County, Georgia, yes, that was the has other announced that, that she intends to make a decision whether to charge her or not um, next month in August of, the, of this year. And now we have the target letter of Jack Smith. And so that's two more possible cases. So we've got October, January, March, March. taken up with, with trials. We've got yeah. a January 6th imminent or, or pending indictment. And we've got a pending or imminent Atlanta indictment. So how do you squeeze all these things in um, and, and try not to have it interfere with the election is a very difficult task. So maybe... Cannon did an okay thing in moving it to May, but my tweet was setting the trial date is one thing. Adhering to it is a wholly different matter. Right. And so what we have to hope is with nine months run up to a May 20th trial date that she says to the parties, this is a firm date. All the pretrial stuff we need to lock down and be done with by the May 14th pre-trial status conference. The week before the trial is set to begin, she set a March, a May 14th trial um, status. And hopefully she'll say on May 14th, all right, you know, get ready. We are going to trial next week and there are no no continuances to to be had. So as I said, the setting of the trial date is the easy. The hard part is adhering to it. And we'll see how Judge Cannon runs her courtroom. The thing to know about this, of course, is that the way in which judges run their courtroom is something that's pretty much within their discretion. So those who have been saying, well, they should appeal this, um, there's no appeal that comes out of this discretionary exercise right. uh, by a judge of when a case will be set for trial or not. So here we are in in July, waiting for now a, a, a May trial date. We've got three other trials ahead of it and two in the uh, queue. <laughs> so, so what does this tell us, Brian? Yeah. <laughs> tells us that Bennett can't go on vacation again. <laughs> That's, it's all John's fault. I'm telling you. <laughs> hey, now. He goes, he, look, people got so discouraged. The whole world fell he, apart. <laughs> it was so discouraged that he was out of the country that we went to hell in a handbasket. <laughs> well, Amen. I'm going. I'm going. All right. I'm going. <laughs> well, John, you, you guys can just put your fingers in and all the uh, all the dikes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> from here's something to look at. From as Michael pointed out, from beginning in October through the end of May or the beginning of June, as we have in those eight months, Donald Trump has five trials to go through and that's without the without being indicted or face with with a possibility of more two at least two more indictments coming how do you campaign on that shit <laughs> he will 
Yeah, <laughs> and he'll he will use and it. probably probably very effectively, <laughs> and he'll do. He may do one thing even more effectively than campaign on all that raise money. Yes, and he, and you know pay his I, bills. I, you know, I landed. Uh, I landed. When did I land? Uh, we landed on Friday uh, early that afternoon. A, that was a month ago. <laughs> <laughs> Feels like a month ago. That's right. Uh, landed on Friday early afternoon here in the here in Swamp City, and um, I started getting Trump fundraising texts again. I had not been getting those for about three months, and so lucky me. Uh, welcome home. Yeah. And so he'll do that. It, this is not going to hurt him in the primary. I don't think it's going to hurt him, and it's only made him stronger. And DeSantis is not the Trump slayer. He never was going to be the Trump slayer. There isn't a Trump slayer in the field. Now, I did play this out. And we could have, we could have, if 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 the Florida case uh, sticks sometime in May or early June, and that trial is in, and uh, Michael, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, you know, three or four weeks, and then we could, so we'll get the Trump trial, maybe, I'm going to guess in June Guess what's in July next year? Oh, yes. The, the Republican, Republican National, National Convention, Convention starts July 15th and culminates in the likely second coronation of Donald John Trump as a Republican nominee on July 18th. You know, we could get his sentencing right after that, followed by likely Joe Biden's re-coronation as the Democratic nominee in August at the Democratic National Convention. So to Michael's point, uh, if you are if you are in this business or or anything related to it, you might want to take an early vacation next year because we could just go from one big, huge, unprecedented thing to the next from really, you know, May all the way through the election. I think it'll start with the Iowa caucuses. That's yeah. I think it's yeah. good. Once January hits, if you haven't taken a vacation, buckle up, Buttercup. We're in for a ride. <laughs> yeah, those congressional recesses will just become round-the-clock coverage of, of Trump, Trump in a courtroom or Trump on the campaign trail. Yep. Or his lawyers in a courtroom. He may not have to be there every day. And as we finish up this segment, two people to discuss in the wings on both parties is uh, Ron DeSantis, who hit the reset button on his uh, uh, campaign this week. And I still say he has the uh, all the appeal of roadkill. And then you've got RFK, who testified before Congress about and said that he didn't lie when there was videotape of him saying that he was an anti-vaxxer. Uh, John, you, you I mean, you know this how this works. It was uh, also the same committee that, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene decided to uh, to show lewd pictures of, of Hunter Biden, making me think above all else that she's got a crush on him. But that's <laughs> where you <laughs> when you look at what happened there, uh, not the, but with the with RFK, um, I, I got to tell you, I met I met his dad when I was quite young. And when he walked into the room, I often said he's the only person I ever saw that when he walked into the room, the room got brighter. But it certainly dimmed when he appeared before the primate house last week and uh, spewed his foul venom. <laughs> I've never heard uh, the House of Representatives described that way. I certainly have uh, have a few uh, a, a few uh, offbeat uh, descriptions of the House. Uh, I've always been a Senate guy, I remain a Senate guy uh, to this day. So I uh, was lucky enough to miss that. 
and will not be watching any highlights on the internets. Those were low lights. Yeah, I will not be catching up on that. I do wonder, though, this RFK Jr. Uh, chap, you know, he his favorability rating is something like 47, 46%, depending on the poll, of course. That's higher than Joe Biden's. And it just makes me wonder, and that's among, I believe, Democratic voters. What uh, what what exactly is he tapping into? You know, we spend we the capital we in, in the media and understandably have have tried to understand the republic. Well, we have analyzed the Republican voter. I'm not sure that we in the media understand the Republican voter anyway, but we haven't really we haven't maybe we haven't had time to analyze what, what is RFK Jr. tapping into here on the Democratic side. He's a conspiracy theorist. He's an anti-vaxxer despite what he might have told uh, the house committee last week yeah there's he's a well-known anti-vaxxer it's not even up for discussion except apparently to him he can lie in congress and was invited there by republicans who Uh always lie in congress so so this is yeah this is a sign of to me um the country's uh information breakdown that he's tapping into something. I mean, he's he's obviously getting tapping into disinformation. Right, tapping into disinformation. It's kind of the decay of information, and it's that's not limited to the Republican side. And we're getting no. we're getting a, a big glimpse of it here uh, with his. I don't want to say rise, but he's having you know he's having a small moment, and again, the racial stuff is to me more troubling. But yes. the disinformation, the disinformation. The fact that we're seeing it on the left is a little bewildering, and and it's 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 just as troubling because disinformation can affect the outcome of elections. And to your point, one of the most poignant and and I think best moments that Karine uh, Jean Pierre had in uh, the White House briefing room was this week when she pointed out that what he said about and and let's refresh, you know, everyone's uh, memory of what he did say was that. The COVID uh, virus seemed to have been engineered to avoid Chinese and Jewish people. And for that, she called it a vile statement. Uh, the president came out against it. His own family came out against it. And yet uh, that rumor persists as to this day. And it is a very racist thing to say. Michael, I'll give you the final wrap on this before we head to the our next break. Well. He's a complicated guy for sure, and he's got some ideas on war and peace that are that are interesting. But what I wanted to know from you two, uh, in avoiding to answering your question beyond that, is <laughs> who does who does he draw votes from? Because it would seem to me that if he is running as a third party um, candidate, I don't know that he will. Is he going to he's going to challenge? Is he going to ch- challenge Biden as Democrat? He's going to challenge in the primaries whether no, or not then he does, does he third party? That's would be how that could be his next move once he gets thumped in the primaries. Well, that's right. Well, that's what I'm saying. Is he assuming he loses in the primary? Does he go away? Does he support Biden? Does he run as a third party? If he runs as a third party, who does he draw from, given his views on vaccinations and 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 other conspiracies that you two have just been speaking about. Does he draw from um, Trump as much as he draws from 
Biden, vice versa, equal? It's, what do you, it's, what's your take? It's funny that you mentioned that because we've had that discussion all week long in the press. You know how we we get in the in the uh, White House press office, John. We, we go back there for a coffee and suddenly they're going, who the hell is this guy? What does he think's going on? He thinks he's going to do. And, and the overwhelming uh, opinion from most reporters, and I, you know, I, at, this is one I'll agree with him on. I don't think he draws from Biden as much as he would draw from Trump. John? Yeah, it's just another challenge that, that, that Trump would face in a general election. Um, you know, he's not doing anything that I can tell to, to get back some of those independent voters. And there was, uh, there were some, uh, moderate, uh, re more moderate Republic centrist Republican voters who went for Joe Biden, uh, last time and Trump's the best that, that I can see. He's not doing anything. He's not offering you know, last time. Uh, well, not last time in 2016, Trump was offering to bring back jobs and Trump, you know, he had an e economic plan. Uh, it was anti-immigration. Uh, uh, you know, that appeals to independents. Independents tend to lean right. Uh, Trump's not talking about that stuff. Trump's talking about Trump. Trump's talking about his legal troubles and witch hunts yeah. and, <laughs> uh, and DAs and give, you know, racist nicknames. Yeah. You know, racist nicknames for district attorneys, which is a great strategy for someone who has yet to charge you with a crime uh, to, yeah. <laughs> to, to, to call them awful nicknames. So, you know, this this stuff will hurt him down the road. You know, it's you know, it's not again, it's not going to hurt. So him you agree. Primary, but it's going to hurt him and it's going to hurt him with those voters. Um, you know, black voters, Hispanic voters have been not in huge numbers, but. You know, Trump gained plus 18 with um, with Hispanic voters and and held that. And then Democrats, I'm sorry, Republicans held that in the last midterm elections. Democrats didn't gain any of that back. So there is a headwind here. There's there 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 are voters Trump can get to help make up his deficit with independence. He's not doing anything to attract to keep them either. So the strategy the strategy right now is to beat down DeSantis, but, you know, as and then as the legal problems mount, he doesn't really have a message for the general. Um, right. You know, the I, maybe they have one and they just haven't trotted out yet. But but I just think he's got he's got really big problems in a general election, even though Joe Biden would be uh, 82. Uh, I'm sorry, 80. You know, he, he would be, I think, 82 on election. 83. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, be 80, yeah. He, he would be 83 by inauguration yeah. day. So despite all of that and Biden's not popular, Trump, Trump just got he's got big problems in the general. But there's no one in the primary. So right. You think now. RFK would hurt him. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean. That, that yeah. would be if, if he would run as a third party. I think um, that would take votes away from Trump. The same thing. um People say that Joe Manchin running on a no labels third party ticket would hurt Joe Biden. It would probably hurt Biden more. But I, I do think that some moderate Republicans, instead of voting for Biden or Trump, would would vote for Joe Manchin, even though he says, I think the latest thing Joe Manchin said is is he wouldn't spoil it for Biden. But I'm sure maybe he changes tune later that day. There you go. So on that, we'll take a short break. And when we come back, we'll unpack a lot more. It's 
we can never let uh, uh, John out of the country again. So stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, you. Yeah, you. We're talking to you and we need your help. As you probably know, independent journalism is a vital pillar of our democracy. Like everything else, it's not free. We're asking all longtime listeners of the show to help support us by becoming a member on Patreon. For the price of a latte, you can help guard democracy. Join us today at patreon.com slash JATQ podcast to help us keep bringing you the podcast you love and the facts you deserve. Hi, we are back. It is Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karaman. Once again with us from uh, a former federal prosecutor, Michael Zeldin, and uh, and current uh, editor-at-large from CQ Roll Call, John Bennett. When we left, we were talking about, of all things, Donald Trump. Let's talk a little bit about the border from this week. One of the questions I had in the briefing room this week was after the Texas Governor Abbott decided that uh, he would... uh, place barriers in the river and fence along the border and throw kids back into the river. Um, I asked what was the federal government's response to this? And my um, predicate for asking that question is the fact that having covered the border and and lived down there in the past, the, the border patrol and Homeland security has been quite adamant about who protects polices and defends the international border, and it's not the individual states. The so-called sovereign state of Texas Texas decided that the DPS was going to take it over, and the DPS has no charter for doing it. So I asked, basically, is the federal government ceding its authority? I was told to go to the DOJ. The DOJ has now filed charges uh, against Texas. Michael, what will be the upshot of that? I mean, will we end up, I mean, uh, uh, and I'll get to the Posse Comitatus Act, uh, John, in just a second, the Hakuna Matata thing. But let's but let's let's start with what are the repercussions and what is Texas facing for doing what they've done? Well, that's a great question. And I don't know exactly what the repercussions are. What we do know is that Judge, uh, that Governor Abbott has signed a series of, I think, six different legislative acts designed to, in his words, protect the border against um, incoming um, people that he considers to be a danger to his his state. Um, and the federal government, I think, is, is uh, filing a lawsuit uh, to prevent him uh, from doing it. The Justice Department announces, it says, that the lawsuit against the state of Texas uh, is a violation of the Voting Rights Act, Section 101 of the Civil Rights Act, and that this is a basic democracy um, question. And the thing that could come of it is that if you win, they get an injunction to prevent the state of Texas from proceeding along the lines that they, they want to proceed. I don't know that you'd get individual sanctions against the governor um, or the Texas Secretary of State. Um, but really what the Civil Rights Division of the Justice Department is trying to do is, you know, sort of protect the, you know, the, the fundamental rights of 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 the federal government. Democracy, really. Right. 
I what, mean, what, what we stand for. I mean, the question is a broad question, which is how do we deal with broad border security and, you know, how, how do we address this in a comprehensive way? Um, but these little gimmicks, I think, is what Abbott's thing is. It, well, it's I, got nothing to do with comprehensive immigration. And if people are really, truly concerned about immigration and the impact uh, it has on lots of different pockets of people in, in, in the country, labor unions have a point of view on it, and Republicans and Democrats each have points of view on it, management that needs certain labor um, classes uh, to help them do their, their low salary work have points of view on it. So the question is, how are we going to get comprehensive immigration reform? Who's sitting down at the table to say, all of us have stakes in the outcome of this, but what we need to do is address it comprehensively. And nobody, not Abbott, not well, they never have, and they since the Reagan era, no one has looked at comprehensive uh, reform on the border. But my concern, Michael and John, is a little broader. With the with and 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 hear me out and, and tell me if I'm wrong, either one of you. But with what has happened in Alabama, right, and what is now happening in Texas, in both cases, it looks like the former Confederacy folks is trying to weaken the federal government so that that you know the belief that the state has the sovereign right it's the united united states of america and i don't believe that those states have those rights so i i mean please tell me if i'm wrong but it seems to me to be a concerted effort to undermine and destroy the federal government if i'm well, overstating it tell me well i mean the state of uh, the, the the DOJ, besides the impact of what I talked about earlier, is also saying in, in the lawsuit that the state of Texas actions violate federal law in that it is providing um, obstructions to the navigable capacity of the Rio Grande, uh, which is a river in the uh, Rivers and Harbors Act that Texas is not, not allowed to interfere with. And the Corps of Engineers says that the floating barriers um, required prior federal authorization. So there's lots of technical ways in which the, the lawsuit um, is, is, will be fashioned. But the bottom line of it is, it's, it's a gimmick. It just like transporting uh, immigrants to various states that, that, that Abbott did before. This guy is, is, not interested in a comprehensive solution uh, that has any chance of meaningfully addressing what is a very difficult and needed um, uh, issue to be resolved. And, and people have to call it out for what, for, what, for what it is. This I, is I, I, This is not policy. No, I, I think it's revolt. But John, your thought or thoughts? It wouldn't be the first time that we saw this from yeah, a, a deeply red state governor, and it won't be the last. Excuse me. I I think uh, Mr. Abbott, who is not apparently going to run for president, or he's going to get in very late. Um, you know, somebody's got to be DHS secretary if if Trump gets back in there. So, um, you know, he may be angling for something like that. Um, Trump has been very um, 
positive toward Governor Abbott over the years. Uh, they were they were I think they were they were pretty close. You know, Trump turned on a lot of people when he was in office and since and Abbott is not one of them. So he could be angling for something like that. Um, and, and yeah, this is a gimmick and it's not it's not rooted in policy. Um, this isn't you know meant to, as, as Michael said, you know, get the conversation going toward comprehensive immigration reform. There aren't that many legislative days left in the current year beyond uh, the fiscal year. There are only a handful because of August, the August congressional August recess. So uh, when they come back from that, they have to pass some kind of spending bill, probably a bridge to maybe a larger one of these omnibus bills, blah, 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 Freedom Caucus, Revolt, blah, 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 speakership. Enough time. We, we can talk about that in August when it's slow. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. <laughs> I just came back. Um, but anyway, and then next year's an election year. And, you know, you're not going to pass any immigration bill. I mean, really, with this Republican House. You're not. Zero. You're I mean, not. there's zero chance. There's a negative chance, really. And then next year's an election year. The, you know, the Senate, the Senate could pass something. And like in 2013, which I've talked about on this show and elsewhere, was a bipartisan Senate immigration bill that was loaded with goodies for everybody. Uh, uh, it had the votes in the House. There were enough votes moderate Republicans and Democratic votes, but John Boehner felt pressure from the very same faction that's giving Kevin McCarthy problems. And he he came out the afternoon after the, the Senate passed it midday, and Boehner announced late in the afternoon that he would not even bring it to the floor. So I, and, but and there my, was, but I'm sorry. So but, no, there's not going to be anything like that in this Congress. But to my bigger point, does anybody see it as I do that these Southern states are, are, just thumbing their nose at the federal government and saying, screw you, we'll do whatever we want. Uh, I'm sure, we saw that we saw that in 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 the rolling back of federal abortion protections. Yep. You know, they, let's send it back to the states. Um, but as you said, it's the United States. I'll let Michael uh be far more articulate on the question. <laughs> to answer your question, Brian, in in my view, they have never given up the lost cause. Yes. They have been fighting against this from the pre-war civil war period through the civil war and then throughout reconstruction and then with the end of reconstruction uh the passage of of black codes and uh lynchings and this is one continuous the police forces established um for fugitive slave capture i mean this is one continuum which is part of the reason i think cynically that many of these Southern states don't want real history taught in their schools. Because yeah. if you teach honestly what has happened since the Civil War, it's a horrible record of racial discrimination. Un, 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 unending, unabated, almost unapologetic. And this, what we're seeing today, is just a, the next step in that Continuum, yeah, um, and, right. and and there's no, in my mind, there's no other explanation. They're fighting the lost cause. They uh, yes, and continue to do so. And we better recognize that. Moving on, there's still a lot more, but we're gonna have to cut it short. With I mean, I could do a whole thing on climate change. The the world is on fire, and nobody wants to admit it, or at least some people don't. Uh, but uh, let's end a little 
lighter, I guess. The Barbie Oppenheimer Bud Light. I mean, it, to me, some of this stuff is just annoying and stupid as hell. John, you're shaking your head. You've got people burning Barbie in effigy that she's she's too woke. You've got him screaming at Oppenheimer because you know they, it shows him as a as a hero, which he never claimed to be. And then uh, Ron DeSantis is declaring war on Bud Light. And I don't think there's enough Bud Light on the planet or enough hallucinogens for me to make sense of any of this. And I'm still blaming it all on climate change. As the climate climbs, as the temperature climbs, I think it's just boiling what's left of their brain. You want to take a shot at it, John? <laughs> wow. Okay, I get to lead off on this one. Yeah, me... that's <laughs> you, I... Welcome back home, Charlie Brown. It's all yours. Uh, I blame hashtags. I blame Twitter a little bit for this Barbie Heimer thing. So I land back here and and I'm looking at the fun place that is Twitter and Barbie Heimer. And I, I've already said, you know, I want to see the Opp Oppenheimer movie, maybe even in the theater. Um, I understand the Barbie movie, you know, um, I'm in my early 40s. So, you know, my friends and, and folks, co-workers, friends behind me, I see the excitement, uh, especially from the ladies on my social media feeds. I get it for the Barbie movie. I, I get it. Go have fun. Enjoy yourselves. Uh, by the way, it's a movie about a fictional doll, everybody. Calm down. Yeah. And what, what in the world that a movie about a fictional doll and... The a movie about the the making the 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 prompt project the the quick project to make a bomb to end a world war have to do with each other is beyond me and I'm not really going to try to link them because I think this is this is I, it, it's just it's beyond words that this is what we're doing this is what we're doing the Florida is changing their their educational curriculum to 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 make slavery somehow positive and we're trying to link a movie about a doll and a movie about an atomic bomb and yeah. i i'm just not gonna i'm not really gonna play in this arena you michael i, I haven't really paid much attention to it there I, you go i smart um better uses of my my time you know anyone who <laughs> wants to go to these movies that's fine anyone who wants to protest Bud Light um, because uh, it had a transgender uh, commercial during March Madness, you know, people get to choose how they want to spend their time. Uh, our time on earth is, is limited and time is the most valuable commodity that we possess. And if that's how you want to spend your time, you know, God bless you. Uh, it's just not, it's not for me. And so if they want to, protest Barbie or celebrate Oppenheimer or vice versa, uh, or uh, worry about Dylan Mulvaney and, and Bud Light, you know, good for them. I, they have a lot more free time than I do. <laughs> well, we're going to end with a couple of letters and uh, I will get to the climate change through one of these letters. Uh, and I'll start with you, John, uh, from Flower Power 69. Why has the press continued to report so poorly on climate change? Okay. I'm not sure I agree with the premise of the question. Um, I think sometimes I, I'm going to take a different path here. Well, number one, it's complicated. Uh, newsrooms are shrinking. 
Uh, newsrooms have other demands now um, that we have to have to cover. Things click. Uh, you know, I think climate stories do do pretty well uh, for most publications, but uh, you know, it's not always. Uh, you know, if Marjorie Taylor Greene has mouthed off to Manu Raju and uh, and Manu's posted that on Twitter, you know, maybe put that climate story down and let's do three takeaways on on MTG's latest meltdown in the hallway. Um, but I, you know, I actually think sometimes the media misses the true climate story, but we try to twist other things into a climate story. I think a lot of times with these climate stories, we're trying to put a square peg in a round hole. Um, and I just don't, a lot of times I don't, I don't think the premise of the story stands up uh, once, you know, you read the lead and the nut graph and it, it just, it, it's not, I don't think everything's a climate. I've been told everything's a climate story and, and I disagree with that. I don't, I don't, I don't believe that um, or everything has a climate angle. And, and I think we're trying a little too hard and if we just covered the science of it, if we just, again, this business doesn't have to be difficult. If we stuck to the basics um, and, and covered the science and covered that debate and what the extent that we have a policy debate here about climate change, we should stick to that, cover the science, cover the experts. Uh, what are the Europeans doing? What are the Chinese and the Indians not doing? If we stuck to that kind of coverage, I, I think it'd be pretty good, but we, 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 we force it a lot. And I'll, I'll add to this at, you know, people say, well, why don't we, you know, why don't we get both sides of this? And I think that we, we missed the point. Um, when you talk to members of the DOD, this is a settled, this isn't even up for, you know, for, for grabs. I mean, there's, there's no debate. Climate change is real and they have to deal with it. Uh, increasing levels of uh, water in ports and freshwater ports or shrinking press. They have to deal with all of that to make sure that there's proper room for their ships. When they, uh, when they put together tactical ideas for troop movements, they have to take into account what's on the ground, what is really going on. So to those people who make important decisions, it's a done deal. And we continue to act as if it is not not understanding ourselves in many cases what the issue is. And I reduce it to this. Think of an think of a terrarium. Okay. If you have a terrarium without people in it, you have one set of factors. You put eight billion people in that terrarium, and we're going to affect change one way or another. There's just no way around it. So if you understand that, the science of it, I think that would uh would help. And to your point flower power 69 which makes me think you were a hippie at woodstock uh i i would just say that uh put it to you this way we don't understand the science of it ourselves so therefore we are very uh poor about reporting on science but to john's point we since we don't understand it that well we often try to wedge this in when it's not an issue and that way and in doing so we screw our own credibility up i hope that answers it uh for, for you, Michael, this is from Julep38. Uh, if Donald Trump can avoid, oh, can Donald Trump avoid all of these charges and end up not going to court? And if he can, why shouldn't he? Well, he can't avoid going to court. 
uh, he can, in civil cases, uh, not appear. In criminal cases, generally, uh, defendants in criminal cases are required to appear, whether there'll be special dispensations for candidate uh, for President Trump will be up to the judges, but but generally speaking, defendants are are there unless they're tried in absentia, which is not something that will happen here where they're right. tried and they're unavailable uh, for court. Um, we have to always distinguish in the cases of Trump what, that which are federal federal cases and those which are are state and the federal cases were he reelected and they still pending. He may have some ability to interfere with them. State cases, um, less so. Uh, look, if you're lawyers for Donald Trump, you're doing more or less what you should be doing, which is trying to delay as long as possible his going to trial and being held accountable. That's what defense lawyers do. And so I have no you know, qualms with it. It's up to the judges in these cases to, as I said at the early part of it, setting the trial date is easy. Adhering to it is, is something uh, more difficult. And the judges have to make sure there is a thing called the Speedy Trial Act, which was passed to ensure that defendants and the, Ameri and the public at large have a, a, a right, an entitlement to trials going to trial, cases going to trial speedily. Um, so all the different factors in the criminal uh, justice system are at play in all of these cases. And, you know, each side is trying to win for its side. And so we'll see how it how it plays out, Brian. I'll say this, though. I, I believe no man is above the law. Marjorie Taylor Greene said that when she presented the lurid photos of, of uh, Hunter Biden in, in, in Congress. So I'll hold by her and Biden certainly used her own words in a in a campaign speech this or in a campaign ad this week, but I think one of the scariest things I've seen, and I guess it's an ancillary to what this question is about, is an article in the New York Times this week that if Donald Trump is uh, is reelected, he basically is going to create an imperial presidency. He will try to dissolve all the other powers of or most of the other powers of the legislature and of the uh, uh, judicial branch and leave him uh, with sole discretion of how to uh, lead the United States of America, which I find deplorable to uh, to use a word that's been overused. But I also find it very frightening. So I don't think that, that to answer this Julep 38, I don't think you he can avoid court. He should not be able to avoid it and he should be held accountable as the rest of us are. That's my thoughts as we end this, this wonderful week. And of course, next week, stick with us. There's AI, climate change, all kinds of stuff going on. So, uh, Michael, where can we catch you again? That Said with Michael Zeldin is my podcast. It's a book-based podcast <clears throat> on all uh, major podcast networks. But I want to add one thing, Brian, just before we go. You had said that was it Robert Kennedy walked into the room and it was the it was the first time you were ever in a place where the room light light became lighter when when he was there. It felt and like I, I was a kid. I, I know where you're going with this. <laughs> I was a kid. He walked into the room and we were as kids. It was a party at my grandfather's house and he was there with uh, other people. 
And all the other adults walked in through the front door and met the adults first. He came in the back door and met the kids first. And I just felt that, that I don't know what I, I've never felt it before. It was like the room didn't it seemed to get brighter. So, so, so to that point, so yeah, as you know, I set you, you up know. with a straight line. <laughs> no, 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 not it's not a straight line. Okay. So Bob, so Bob Dylan, a person who I'm fond of bringing into uh -huh. these conversations, is getting an honorary degree from Princeton, um, and he's there at Princeton, and he's um, writing about this song, this this event in a song called "The Day of the Locusts," and he's in the room waiting to go there and he says i glanced into the chamber chamber where the judges were talking these are all the people gathering in sort of the pre-room darkness was everywhere it smelt like a tomb i was ready to leave i was already walking but the next time i looked there was light in the room and they say that that light in the room was when coretta scott king wow. who was also getting a degree came in so he's he's high as a kite David Crosby has gotten him completely stoned. He wants to leave. He doesn't want to be there. He's writing, the place is darkness is everywhere. It smells like a tomb. I was ready to leave. I was already walking. But the next thing I looked, there was light in the room. That's the entry of Coretta Scott King. He stays, wow. gets his honorary degree. Then he says, he in the, the song goes on, he says, pick up, picked up my diploma, grabbed my wife, got into the car and, the, and <laughs> head, headed to the Black Hills of Dakota. <laughs> where there lived a young boy named Rocky Raccoon. Ah. So, so there you have it. There's my Bob Dylan residence. You have to go listen to Day of the Locust by, by Bob Dylan. Bob That's Dylan. what it's about. The, we got the Bob Dylan reference in this week. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that, that's a setup for John Bennett to say where he can be found and yes. what sporting event we should be paying attention to. The, someone just won the, masks, uh, the, the golf tournament, right, John? Yes, uh, Mr. Harmon, going away. It wasn't much of a... Um, was it much of a golf tournament? Uh, congratulations to him. You can find me rollcall.com every Friday and CQ afternoon briefing. Uh, hopefully my password still works in the morning and, <laughs> uh, sporting event to pay attention to, uh, the Washington event commanders. That, no, well, we can talk about that later. The event that is the Baltimore Orioles. Um, they, as we speak right now are up three, nothing against Tampa Bay and are in first place in the AL East and have the best record in the American league. I've started watching the O's as the Nats rebuild and they are a fun young team. There you go. And, and with that second setup, best team, second best team in, in all of baseball, just behind. Right. Yeah. Atlanta. yeah. And, and, and with that said, I'll just, uh, I'll compliment you on your multitasking abilities. So with <laughs> that said, I want to thank you for joining us. This is just ask the question. I am your host, Brian Karam. You can catch us here every week as we try to wrap up and make sense of the nonsense in the news, particularly this week. It was very interesting. Thanks, guys, for, for all that you do. We'll catch you all next time.